This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank, and I'm here with Matt Siegel. You can get us both on Twitter at Undercover Greg and at Showtime Cappers. We have a whole bunch of college football to go through. It is Friday. Labor Day weekend is upon us, and that means college football is here. Matt, it's the unofficial end to the summer. How are we doing on this Friday? What up, Greg? Uh, happy to have Friday here. It's a great day to have a great day. Like I said, it's great Friday to be here. I felt like it's Friday, honestly, probably on Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know about you, <laughs> but I'm ready to get the weekend started. I'm going to actually be down in Atlantic City watching some of my bets live. If anyone's going to be down there, just holler at me. I'll be down there. I might not be uh, fully functional, but I can't wait to watch and bet on some college football. How about you? I, too, am going to be back east, headed back home for the weekend as I work out here in Minnesota. I am flying back in the morning, and I will be headed for a fantasy football draft Friday night. And then on Sunday, I'll be headed up to Flushing Meadows to take in the U.S. Open in Queens, which will be a lot of fun for the round of 16. Not quite sure what Saturday holds yet. Maybe head to a sports book. But there will be plenty of college football on, and uh, I'm a big Phillies fan. They have a big series this weekend against the Mets. Aaron Nola pitching Saturday, so I might try and hit that game. We'll talk a little bit about that at the end. I like that. Uh, it'll be a fun I'll, weekend back home. You can. I like that, Greg. I mean, you can for sure. You can catch me Saturday. I'll be on the beach at the pool, probably a beer in my hand, scores in the other hand. I mean, it, it just it just doesn't get better than this. College football is back. Football is back. Fantasy season is upon us. I, 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 it just, I can't wait. I can't wait, Greg. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. And you know, now that we're both out of school, I feel like this time of year, you're able to just enjoy sports getting so much more fun these next couple months. And you don't have school hanging over you. You can just enjoy football starting and baseball hitting the home stretch. And before we know it, we'll be into October with the NHL and the NBA starting. This is a really fun next couple months in sports. Man, I love baseball. Let me tell you, but. There's got to be only about 10% of the diehard baseball fans out there that truly enjoy the month of August. Let me tell you, oh, because the month of August is dead. I, I, it's dead, but I, I just, you know, there's just that itch. It's just that feeling. Football is back, baby. It's back. So on that note, as we mentioned in the open there, we have a whole bunch of college football games to go through. And that is the perfect way to start, because if you're new to gambling, or even if you're not, uh, I think that it is a common tendency to look at the big programs when it comes to any weekend in college football, for that matter. But specific to the opening weekend, you're seeing, and we'll talk about this, a lot of big inflated point spreads on the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world. Uh, and Matt, when it comes time to finding value and figuring out how the best way to spend your money is when it's made making investments in week number one of college football, what are some things that you look at? Because obviously, Oof, God. 
everybody likes to go to the big schools, and not that there's anything against that, but there are so many games to choose from, and at the end of the day, every winner counts the same. Let me tell you, Greg, I mean, that's a loaded question. There are a lot of moving pieces. I just want to put a little disclaimer out there. You know, I'm not a 30-year vet in the business, right? So I'm, <laughs> still, I'm still learning and, uh, and, and getting my feet wet here and progressing every day. But something that I'm going to start of, and, you know, like, like you just said, most people start, I'm going to look at your top 25 teams, right? Those are the teams that we're obviously going to know the most about, going to have the most hype going into the season about, and that's where I'm going to get started. I'm not saying that I'm making a play on all 25 uh, teams or, or whatever games that the ranked teams are playing in, but that's exactly where I'm going to start, right? So I'm going to start by there, and if anything intrigues me, like last night, you know, the Clemson game intrigued me. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, you know, coming back for his sophomore year, ready to make a jump when he already could have been the number one quarterback drafted off the board, in my opinion. Um, that was a game that I that I zoned in on, and 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 I took Clemson in the first half, right? So again, I my eyes immediately jumped. The first games on the board when two ranked teams are meeting, my eyes are jumping there, right? So the first game that lit up my eyes this week was Auburn and Oregon. We're gonna get to breaking down that later, but that was just one of the first games that jumped at me. Now there's hundreds of games, right? It's really hard to break it down, but you just gotta go through all the games, and and, and you just gotta go. Where can you find your edge? Where can you find your value? Because it's impossible for these bookmakers to have every line on point right. for hundreds of games for all these schools, especially these small schools, especially, Greg, on week one, right? Because week one, you know, the least what, about the team. Does anybody really know anything, right? I, I mean, I, I mean, who knows? How many times have we seen, you know, a quarterback have a great year and he comes back and you know, he's not performing how he was last year, right? He's not He's not taking the next step. He's actually taking a step backwards. How many times have we seen that? Sure. How many times have we seen a QB leave? Like, Stidham left from Auburn, and a freshman is now coming in. Now, is that freshman going to be good? Is he not? Is he going to be nervous in his first game? You know, there's a lot of moving pieces with college football. spot, too, with the first game being at the uh, Cowboys' Jerry World Dome there down at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really get bigger bigger of a stadium than that, right? So it's just really hard to zone in and be like, oh, this is my lock of the week, week one. When, frankly, you know, week one is just getting your feet wet. It's just seeing what these teams are about, seeing what they're going to be for the season. Like I said, there's surprises in the college football season every year. And every year there's a freshman quarterback or a sophomore quarterback that takes takes the, the 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 news by storm, takes every other team by storm, and and performs, you know, how maybe we didn't expect him. Let's go back 12 years ago, Appalachian State, right? Goes to the big house and wins 34-32 outright over Michigan. One of the biggest upsets in all of sports. And not that any of us are forecasting that kind of an upset this weekend, but I think you raised good points about just trying to tread your water lightly on the opening weekend because it is everybody's first look at these teams, and therefore it's, it, it can be difficult to have a strong feel uh, on a game. And I'm with you. I think a lot of my plays, and I think you'll probably be the same way, you're probably looking for the more one-unit bets that will just kind of get you off and running because, as you and I both know, it's all about running marathons, not sprints. And so you want to be words able right to out my mouth. <laughs> you want to be able to budget your bankroll accordingly, and uh, for that reason, I, I'm with you. Not not saying that there's ever a correct number of games to bet like that varies every time, but be smart and understand that you know if you love a game so much, that it's probably too good to be true. I hear you, Greg. And back to your the question, right? Just to sum it up, you know, without without my revealing all all the tricks in my magician handbook, right? <laughs> I'm going to start with the ranked teams. And if you tell me you don't start with the ranked teams, good for you. But 99% of people I know, you're going to start with the ranked team games, right? Obviously, I'm going to take it day by day on a week one like this, where we have 15 games on Thursday. I've given a look to the games on Saturday. I have some picks on Saturday. But my focus is on today, or, or my focus was on yesterday when I first started a Thursday, right? So I, I'm going to take it day by day, but I also take it time slot by time slot, right? So especially on a Saturday when there could be 50 games, I'm going to take it time slot by time slot, starting with the ranked games. I'm going to go up and down the ranked games. Does this game intrigue me? And what does that mean, intrigue me? 
Not that I have a bet, but does it intrigue me as is this a potential home underdog upset? Is this a potential road-ranked team coming in to make a statement? Is this a clash of titans-ranked teams? Is one team making a statement? Well, and another thing that I want to get in with here, you mentioned home and away. We see a lot of neutral games week one, so you want to break down where the games are being played. Another thing that's very important. Is it quote-unquote neutral, but is one of the teams – you know, a lot closer to that neutral site. Therefore, you might see the crowd be three quarters in favor of that team. Does one team travel? Their fans, do they travel way better than the other team? You know, so maybe it's a little geographically closer to one team, but that stadium may have three-fourth fans of another team because they travel more, you know? There's a lot of moving parts. And another thing which we talked about before we hopped on here, which is, I think, and I think we both agree, more important when handicapping college football, we're talking about sites and atmospheres and home and away. I think that that kind of emotional kind of, you know, how is this player going to respond in this setting? Those kinds of things matter a lot more in college football because at the end of the day, while there are thousands and thousands of people across the country watching these games, and we all know how big of a business the NCAA and collegiate athletics have become, we're still talking about, in some cases, teenage kids or kids that can't legally drink. So these kids are, some of these kids are 18 years old. Do you remember when you were 18? It wasn't long ago, so you should. You know, I, <laughs> I certainly wasn't playing at, you know, the big house or AT&T Stadium or Death Valley or uh, insert. Yeah, you're scared college. about walking into your calculus class and pronouncing <laughs> your teacher's name wrong, Greg. These guys are now stepping up. Some of them are stepping up to the biggest games of their life in front of the biggest crowds on the biggest stadiums. Now, that's not true for everyone, but if you know who it's true for and you know it's not true for, I would beg to differ. That's going to give you some sort of an edge, right? Now, this is the comparison that I like to draw between the college football and the NFL, you know, where we agree that home definitely matters a little bit more at certain stadiums in college football, and the experience matters. I don't care what you say. Experience benefits the player. You know, some of these guys have the nerves of steel. That's great. But remember, they're all human, and like we established, some of them aren't even old enough to legally buy a beer at a bar. You can't tell me that some of these guys aren't getting nervous when their first game is under the lights, on the road, and TV. national TV, and, and, and they're expected to go out there and, and just perform, you know, as they always should. And granted, most of the guys in this position, right, they have special talents, so they do perform how they should. But there's very often than not, week to week, how many times do we see ranked teams that are quote-unquote better teams, higher ranked, Go down on the road to unranked teams. It's not a mystery. It's not a science. It happens because these kids are human beings. Totally with you. And, you know, again, the sights and the experience. Early, I, I think early on, I, I think the experience really comes into play uh, for collegiate. And, and we'll throw in high school just in terms of thinking about these athletes as children and you know older kids. I think it really comes into play at the beginning and at the end of the seasons. Because that's when the beginning of the season, anytime you start a year, there could be some jitters. And the more experienced you are, the less of a factor that is. And then obviously at the end of the season, you're playing the biggest games of your life if you're in college and you're mm-hmm. in the college football playoffs. So I think that's where the emotion factors and the nervous tensions could come into play so i'm with you in terms of looking to back experienced teams and you know preferring to play home teams as well and and another thing you know just get back to how do i narrow down my games right you you might be looking at oh is this team gonna win by 40 points 40 points like are they even gonna score 40 that's a lot of points you know some of these teams cover and some of them don't. And now, how do you look at, is Penn State going to win by 40 over Idaho, right? One of the best ways for me to break down these games with big spreads, which is primarily in the first one, two, maybe three weeks of the season, you know, obviously later on, but the big games is I want to look into the coach. I want to look into the history of the program. Certain teams have a tendency to keep their foot on the gas for four straight quarters. They're keeping their starters in there. They need their guys to get the experience. They need to use this as a tune-up game. And then certain coaches, certain teams are so experienced, so, so great. It's a get-in-and-get-out game, right? You know, they might come in and they might cover the full game spread in the first half. But does that mean they cover the full game for the spread for the full game? I'm not so sure. You know, we've seen that happen a lot last year, and we're going to get to that a little later in the pod. 
But, I mean, that's just one thing I look for specifically. I'm going to look for, is, is this coach a coach that has a tendency to keep his foot on the gas, or is he going to worry about maybe the health of his players or giving some of his backups some run? Because you'll be surprised how when these big schools, they get up a lot, they want the backups to get runs. You want to know why? Because those backups are going to be starters maybe next year, or those backups are going to be starters later in the season, or those backups are going to be there and be experienced if they have injuries. Such Stuff like that and stuff like that that you can't truly account for goes into, you know, specifically when we're talking high spreads, right? You know, not your so lower spreads as with a touchdown or less, because typically those teams are a little even more evenly matched and you don't expect to blow up. And I'm talking, you know, 30 plus points, 35, something that's just gaudy to look at. Absolutely. No, you, you nailed it. And uh, one last point that I want to make about those big favorites, and we talked a little bit about this off the air as well. If you're looking at Oklahoma or if you're looking at Ohio State, if you're looking at Alabama, play them in the first half. my teams, Greg. <laughs> play those teams in the first half. Do not play them in the full game because the first half you're going to get a shorter number granted it's obviously only half the game but that's why you get the shorter number and you're going to be guaranteed to have the starters in for the entire 30 minutes of gameplay there in the first two quarters you never know when different coaches might want to call the dogs off that's another thing about just knowing the coaches and and what motivates them what makes them go don't worry about any of that in the first half and we talked about this too matt last year how many times did alabama cover first half, but not cover a second half line. And, and that left the full game line sometimes. In, Greg, in you're, you're, you're really, you're really, you're really getting to my teams here, man. I'm going to get into some of that a little later if you let me be, but to go <laughs> right off of that point and to close this segment out one thing for me, right? These teams that are, that are so great in the first half, like you said, their starters are going to be playing the first half. Now that's something that I consider very, very valuable in sports gambling, a fixed variable. Now, granted, could the team, you know, go up 35-0 in the first quarter, and maybe they're benching, sure. But even then, you know, these guys want to play football. They want to get out there. They want to get the chemistry. They're going to play the first half, right? So in my mind, there are certain things that are fixed variables, and you need to be aware of these fixed variables in all betting sports, in every sport you're betting. Another fixed variable that we touched on is where is the game being played? The game is not changing. The game is being played where it is. Unless there's a weather condition, and then obviously the line is going to change, as we have for the Florida State game. You know, I hope everyone, you know, in Florida that takes shelter this weekend and isn't affected by anything that's going on there. My, my best wishes go out to all my friends out there. But that is a fixed variable. That they're home. What else is a fixed variable? The head coach. The coach, like we said, does he keep his foot on the gas? Does he pull guys? Does he have a tendency to mess around and, and let other guys get chances? Other guys being bench guys, you know, see what they got. Those are certain fixed variables that you have. You can have a quarterback like Tua. Yes, you know Tua's going to be playing, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to have a good game every game. You know, that is not a fixed variable. So that is something that I love to look at in all sports. What are my fixed variables? Because those are things that you can't change and that are going to happen. So on that note, I wanted to kind of let Matt drive the car that segment. He seemed to have a lot more uh, thoughts on just breaking down a board when it comes to College Football Saturday. Let's talk about the first College Football Saturday on the slate, and that is week one. And we're going to each give out a few picks uh, of what we're looking at. I got five picks, four games, one game I like the side and the total. Uh, that game also happens to be our consensus play, which we'll get to a little bit later. You're welcome, by the way, for the consensus winner last week. First half under 23. Hey, well, we, we forgot about that. I think we're 3-0, and weren't we? Yeah, well, I gave out Hawaii. That hit. We had the first half under. Uh, and the max on the Cardinals first half. My boy Flaherty at home. There you go. Correct. Yeah. So we were pretty good last week. We'll try and be just as good every week. Obviously, no guarantees. But anyway, when we look at this card, I'm going to go right to a spot that kind of hits on some things that we talked about there in the first block. And I'm going to look at Florida State now laying six and a half on my bookie over the Boise State Broncos. And why do I like this game? couple things. Florida State originally was scheduled to play this game against Boise on a neutral field in Orlando. The Hurricane moved the game to Tallahassee. Now they're going to play uh, at home for Florida State. This looks like a big bounce back season for Willie Taggart in year two down there in Tallahassee. I, hope, I hope for his job security. Is. Oh, absolutely. And, and the Seminoles are returning a lot of starters, particularly in the secondary. A lot of good athletes for Florida State as far as the defensive back depth chart goes. And why does that matter so much? Because Boise State is starting a true freshman quarterback 
Hank Bachmeyer. I hope I pronounced that right. Doubt he's listening, but you never know. And I think that he goes in there and that's a tough place to play. I think he feels the moment a little bit. I think Cam Akers, a Heisman sleeper, gets off to a nice start, makes things easier for James Blackman. I think that's another thing. You got an inexperienced James Blackman at quarterback for Florida State. I think I worry about that less when he's got the home crowd behind him. Florida oh, State there's nothing kinda, better than there's nothing better than opening up at home, uh, you know, for a guy you know, that's just thriving right off the crowd. Kind of, I think they're ready to unleash here and, and get themselves back into the discussion as far as a national power. And I think Whoa, are you, are you, are I'm you not saying that they're going to, you know, vault all the way up there right away. But as far as being a consistent top 25 team, again, Florida state really needs to get back there. And I think that they were kind of, you think about all off season that they had to dwell off of a down year last year. I love Florida state here to come back now at home. Uh, it was four and a half on a neutral. I, I don't like it as much at six and a half in Florida State because the game was in Orlando anyway. That was going to be a de facto home game for them. That said, it's still under a touchdown. I love Florida State minus the points. Greg, do we see Florida State ranked at all this year? If so, how soon? How high? Well, you bring that up, and I'm going to look at their schedule. And outside of, I mean, they have a road game at Clemson, which is which they do have. Yeah, that's all a loss. Line. You could call that a loss. It's a loss. But it could loss. be a sneaky game. They are coming off of a bye there. Outside of that, though, you look at the rest of the ACC, and it's not much, right? So why can't Florida State vault right into the discussion, right? I mean, I, I look at their schedule, you know, uh, otherwise, a road game at Boston College could be a little tricky late in the year. The other ro- ranked team that they play is Syracuse, who is only number 22 right now preseason. I don't see why Florida State can't end the year ranked. I don't know how they're going to start it after this game. They have uh, Virginia, who looks like a rising team in the ACC. Uh, that's their next conference game, or first conference game. Uh, I just think that I like this spot more than anything else. And I do think Florida State's going to end up winning, let's say, nine games. Okay, so big, big, nice turnaround. A winning season for Taggart, as I said. I really hope so for that man's job security because, you know, that's what that's what he cares about. What you got Where next? Where are you headed next? Oh, you want me to go? All right, I, I, I'll take it away. I'll take it away. So I'm actually going uh, right to the game I said to start off. I'm going right to the highlight of the college football week one. I'm going to Jerry World, Oregon versus Auburn, 7.30 p.m. Saturday night. Get your popcorn, folks. Number 16 versus number 11. You know, this is this is a clash of two out-of-conference opponents ranked first week. You really can't script it any better on prime time. You got Herbert coming back for Oregon, poised for a great year, what we think should be. But, Greg, I am not thinking twice. This is a straight system play for me that I'll be playing not only on this game, but another game this week and probably all throughout the year. I'm taking the big boys in the SEC. I'm taking Auburn minus three and a half. I'm taking them to cover the three and a half. And I, like I said, I'm not thinking twice. You know, a big misconception is people really love to fixate on those numbers next to the names. And let me tell you, they change every week. And, you know, they don't mean much when they're outside of the top five or ten, right? So we find both of these teams outside of the top ten. Again, like we spoke about, you know, first game of the season, people are, people are a little skeptical about what the teams are going to be. I know Auburn lost their starting quarterback. But I have faith in their freshmen and their coaching staff, you know, to get everyone ready. It's it's a it's a program that, you know, is a winning program. They know what they're doing there. And again, this is just a system play for me. When I see an SEC team against an out-of-conference team, my eyes light up. These boys from the SEC are bigger, stronger. They are men, right? Not saying that Oregon's not good. Not saying that Oregon doesn't have these big, strong recruits. But Auburn is it's just, there's just a different football that is played in the SEC and time after time again when these ranked teams from other conferences come and they play SEC teams they just I don't know about you but I feel like they just get embarrassed and they just not even lose sometimes they get embarrassed it's just a different type of football played in the SEC Greg and and we saw Auburn in a similar spot last year, week one, against the Washington Huskies. And while Auburn won that game uh, by, I believe it was eight points, I'm going to look it up. Uh, but nonetheless, I think that in Dallas, you have to assume that there's going to be a pro-Auburn crowd, which probably factors into the handicap a little bit, especially for a new quarterback for the Tigers. I won that game by five, by the way. I just won saw. that game by five. Okay, 
and, and you look at the Pac-12, right? This is a big game for their conference because they are not at the same table that the rest of the Power Five is right Dude, now. I, there I, is so much pressure on Oregon to win this game. So much pressure right. on Justin Herbert to win this game. There are is so much pressure. Like, Auburn had a down year last year. I know there's pressure for them to turn it around. I mean, it's, and when I say down year, I mean, they were 7-5, to five, but I think we can agree. Be mad. You know, Let's they're be fans. If Oregon loses this game, they're almost for sure not going to make the college football playoff. Greg, 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 whoever loses this game has no shot at making the college football playoffs. Let me tell you, because we know for a fact, as I spoke about last pod, Clemson is going to go undefeated, right? They're going to make the college football playoffs. We can safely assume that Alabama is going to make the college football playoffs. Right. So if Auburn wants any chance of making the college football playoffs, first off, before we even get to Oregon, if Auburn wants any chance at making the college football playoffs, they need to win this game right here, right now. Oregon, the same way, you know, a Pac-12 team. What happens? How did Notre Dame get in last year? How did Notre Dame get in last year, Greg? Because they didn't lose a game. Or Oregon is not getting in the college football playoffs with a loss of their season. You want to know why? Because there are going to be other teams like in Ohio State or Michigan they're going to that are going to have one loss and their schedule is just going to be way harder and so their one loss schedule is just going to be better than Oregon's one loss schedule. Oregon needs to win this game. They need to make a statement if they want any shot at the college football playoffs and so does Auburn. Whoever loses this game week 1, their season is over. They're playing for starting spots next year or they're playing for their draft stock in the NFL, but I'll tell you this, whoever loses this game is out of the college football playoffs week 1. Bold statement there, but it's hard to disagree with. I'm going to go to my next pick, and I am going to uh, go to the Big Ten, and I'm going to look at a game in Columbus. Florida Atlantic traveling to Columbus to take on the Buckeyes. I'm going to go over the total here at 64 and a half, and here's what I'm seeing. I see a new head coach in Ryan Day taking over for Urban Meyer, and let's be honest, Ohio State didn't have to hire from within, and they did. Obviously, Ryan Day was the offensive coordinator. I love, so, I love the, I love the hire within. I love the hire within. And, and let's be honest, if they didn't want to, they could have hired almost anyone in the country for this position. Oh, I mean, so, so maybe even an NFL quarterback decided to go with Ryan Day means they think pretty highly of this guy as far as an offensive play caller. And he's got a new toy coming in, and Justin Fields, the transfer from Georgia, who we're going to get a look at, and. I have a feeling that he's going to want to really show some razzle-dazzle here. And I know it's a non-conference game. It's Florida Atlantic. They're a four-touchdown favorite or whatever it is. At the same time, and I think you have a different play on this game, I think that uh, the Buckeyes come out offensively with a couple of tricks up their sleeve. That results in some big plays, some short, you know, short scoring drives as a result. And then you look at Florida Atlantic, and you got Lane Kiffin there, who's got a ton of Power 5 experience and an offensive mind as well. So I don't think Florida Atlantic is in the business of rolling over here. I think they're going to want to get theirs. I think Florida Atlantic is probably going to end up somewhere in the low 20s here. So then that means, do I think Alabama, or I'm sorry, Ohio State can score in the 40s? And, you know, get I, I think pretty comfortably that they will. So I think this game lands something like, you know, 49-21. You know, that, that gets us comfortably over. Give me Ohio State, Florida Atlantic over 64 and a half. Greg, I, you know, you made a lot of valid points. I can't disagree with any of them. I'm sticking right in Columbus, like you said. I'm actually taking a play that we talked about in the previous segment, and I'm going Ohio State first half minus 17 points. I think Ohio State gets it going in front of the home crowd. Week one started off. I think Justin Fields, by the way, if you don't know the name, you should. He was the number one recruit when he committed to Georgia. He was then played out of Georgia by quarterback Fromm, who has been amazing. But that doesn't mean that Justin Fields isn't a good quarterback or isn't a starting quarterback on a team like Ohio State. Let me tell you, he is. He's got a lot to prove after transferring from Georgia, being a number one recruit. I know that can't feel good. You come in as a number one recruit, you pick a program you love, a coach you love, and, you know, all of a sudden now you run out of town because you don't have a starting spot, and now you need a starting spot. What better place to land 
in Ohio than Ohio State. I mean, am I wrong there? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, you think about the program. The Buckeyes have won a national championship in the college football playoff era. They produce they, NFL talent year in and right. year and out. Just put Dwayne Haskins in the first round of the NFL draft. So he slides right in and definitely high expectations for I him. I think Justin Fields is going to come in to this game at home in front of those Ohio State Buckeye fans. I think, again, I agree with your over. I think he's going to absolutely light it up. This is a game where I see the coach foot on the gas. They want to run it up. They want to put it up in front of their fans. They want everyone to know that they are here for this season and they want to make a splash. Games yeah. like this, this in front of your home team, in front of your home crowd, opening games, you know, these are games that I look for that matter. And I think they're going to run it up, especially in the first half in a big way. And the reason I'm playing the first half and not the full game is like we talked about, you know, I, I, I do think that Ohio State is going to keep the foot on the gas here. But like I said, I think they're going to get off to a hot start quick. I think they're going to get fields going. Some nice, easy throws, some nice, easy completions. You know, they're going to want to get him comfortable and he's going to thrive off this Ohio State crowd, making his first start for them. I and, can't, oh, by I the way, watch him. They got somebody named J.K. Dobbins in the backfield who, when they do get ahead, if you don't have to worry about them just running the clock out. He's another kind of home run hitting back that can rip one at any time for a big play. Uh, you know, I would, I would like, if I was a betting man, you know, I'm really not, but I would bet that he rips one. You're not a betting man? <laughs> uh, I would bet he rips one for over 30 yards and a touchdown. Um, like I said, I think Ohio State runs over this FAU team. In a big way in the first half, I'm playing Ohio State minus 17 in the first half. Give me Justin Fields. Give me J.K. Dobbs. Give me this Ohio State Buckeyes crowd. I'm behind them opening game week one. Yeah, and one last thing on this game. I think with Day and Fields, the new quarterback coach tandem, I think a lot of people nationally, the sentiment seems to be in the Big Ten. If not now, when for the Michigan Wolverines, right? Because Jim Harbaugh's back, and we all know about his struggles against Ohio State and Michigan State. So if there's ever a time that Michigan were to win the Big Ten East, play in a Big Ten title game, get into the college football playoff, it feels like this is almost an hour never season for Harbaugh and Michigan. That's not to say that the pressure's off Ohio State, but I think that, you know, as we said earlier, these are kids that outside noise probably gets to them a little bit more than it might uh, in the NFL. And I think that Ohio State is actually going to be pretty motivated for all the reasons you said to make a statement and prove, hey, we're still the kings of the Big Ten, even though we got a new quarterback, even though we got a new coach. One more, one more thing. This is it, man. This is game one. Justin Fields, what do you got? They play game two at home against Cincinnati, and then they're right on the road to my alma mater, Indiana. You know, I'm not saying that I think Indiana is going to upset them, but, you know, this is more of a tune-up game. You transferred here, Justin Fields. Get the offense going in game one. Get right. the offense going in game two. Because before you know it, game three, you're on the road in a Big Ten conference game making your first start on the uh, on the road. And, you know, get the offense going at home. First half, give the crowd something to cheer for. Get your confidence up. I like Ohio State probably by at least 24 in the first half. Let's keep it moving. And I am going to give out one pick just to make sure. I got one more pick here, and then I'm going to go to our consensus play. Other than our consensus play, is there anything else you wanted to get in? Yeah, I actually got two more plays. Um, two one more play plays. I'm going to okay. touch on. One play. One play I'm going to touch on real quick. It's honestly for a lot of the same reasons that I took Auburn, and I'm going right back to the SEC, and I'm going Ole Miss plus five. Granted, I'm giving out the line obviously of plus five, you know, because that's what's available right now. It was available at six and a half. If you got it at six and a half, good for you. That's amazing. But five, I'm remember, can be a bit of a dead number. Uh, yeah, I, I'm still taking it at a five. Truthfully, I'm going to probably sprinkle, you know, you'll hear this word a lot, sprinkle a little bit on the money line here. Memphis is good, but at the end of the day, Old Miss, SEC team, you know, I, I'm taking the big boys from the SEC, and I think they're going to give Memphis a run for their money, a uh, close game. I'll take five points with the SEC team. I'm going to stay in the SEC and actually feed an SEC team. And, of course, that being the big boys uh, down in Tuscaloosa, the Alabama Crimson Tide laying 32-and-a-half in Atlanta in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game against the Duke Blue Devils. This number opened at, I believe, 34-35 at some shops. Being bet down, I absolutely think the money's going the right way here. And why? Well, 
couple things. First off, Alabama has four players suspended uh, for different parts of this game. Could be the entire game. That's going to be up to Saban and how he wants to handle that. Najee Harris is one of them, though, and it's his backfield now with Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris gone. So you're not going to see Najee Harris, at least for a little bit of this game. And then uh, Dylan Moses, linebacker who was supposed to be one of the best linebackers in the country this season, just went down with a torn ACL earlier this week. And Alabama already was a little short at linebacker, and they lose their best one before tough the season loss, tough even loss. gets you started. So, you, you know, I'll be honest. I, I'm not a Duke football expert here, but this is just a play against Alabama and against uh, Nick Saban really caring at all about any margin here. What, 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 why does he care about beating Duke by five touchdowns? I, I think Duke eventually, you know, maybe it is another one of those games where Alabama covers the first half. But I, st- I feel pretty good that the Crimson Tide will not cover the 32 and a half. Whether it's uh, one last thing, whether it's Ohio State or Oklahoma or Alabama or, you know, any of these big teams, Georgia or Notre Dame is laying almost three touchdowns. Georgia's laying a huge number against Vanderbilt. Oh, Enough of these teams disgusting. aren't going to cover, right? Like, it's not going to be as simple as to just lay the lumber with every one of these teams. And I'm just going to start with one of the teams that obviously is the first that comes to everybody's mind in the Crimson Tide and say that they will not cover the big number, the 32 and a half. So give me the Blue Devils plus all those points. Greg, before I, I, I touch on this game just a little bit, which number is going to be higher? The number of Chick-fil-A sandwiches sold on that Saturday night or the total <laughs> amount of points Alabama scores this season? Give me a line on that because I'm taking Chick-fil-A sandwiches over. They will be running out, and they will be running out of that stadium Chick-fil-A sandwiches. You won't be able to get one by the fourth quarter. I promise you that, Greg. I promise you that. So there we have it. I'm on Duke plus 32 and a half. You're on Ole Miss plus five. You have one more play before we get to our consensus. I do, and I actually just want to touch on the Bama game just slightly. I have a different angle on the Bama game. You know, I'm not playing the full game, and if, if you're with me for last year, I'm doing something that worked out really successful for me last year. It's no secret, you know, but I'm taking I'm, – I'm going to see how the first half goes, and I'm going to look to take Duke second half, right? A lot of times we saw Bama cover Which their – Which is very game. correlated to my full game. Very correlated. A lot of times we saw – Bamba would would come out to these gaudy leads in the first quarter, 21-0, 28-0, and just take their foot on the gas. I mean, I think Tua played, like, what, one fourth quarter all season? I mean, come on, man. I, I, I just, I'm going to look, I'm going to see how the first half plays out, and I'm just hoping that I can get a better, better full game line by playing the second half. You know, it's not a definite play, but if you're a follower for me on Twitter, you got to watch out for that one. Be ready for the halftime play there because, like you said, Nick Saban, veteran coach, Bama, veteran team, they, they tend to take the foot off the gas, well, give up also, their guys a chance. David Cutliffe, Cutcliffe, veteran coach for Duke. So I think there's probably a mutual respect amongst both these coaches to where Saban, again, really isn't going to want to have any reason. He's going to call the dogs. It's game one. Let's get in with, get out with the W and move on. I mean, this is, this is college football playoff. Their, their eyes are already there. I mean, they can say every game matters, this and that. Their eyes are on the on the prize, right? Just as it is every year. And nothing's changing this year. I'm going to look to take Duke second half. Let's move on uh, to, I'm sorry. Was that your play before we get to the No, I got one more play and I'm, Make it short and sweet. I'm going to my favorite team of the year. If you didn't listen to the last podcast, you better. Oklahoma, first half, minus 12 and a half. A lot of the same reasons I'm going with Ohio State first half. A lot of the same reasons why I'm big on Oklahoma this year. I just think Jalen Hurts is going to get it going with the offense that has been ranked in the top five for the past two years. You know, this game is Sunday night under the lights on ABC in front of those Oklahoma Sooner fans. Jalen Hurts is itching for this moment. He, this, this is the moment that, that, that he cherished at Alabama. You know, like, again, I stated last week, he stuck it out for a full season. He's now In some this, ways, Matt, this feels a little similar to your Ohio State play. Now, Hurts obviously has the experience on the big stage, but in terms of a quarterback is waiting to be unleashed and finally hit the field again. It's it's very similar, very correlated. Just you took the word right out of my mouth. Unleashed, I think is the best word. This, this feeling is going to be like, is it's it's like that feeling when you tore tear your ACL and then your first game back, right? Obviously he's not coming off an injury, but this is his first game. He's got the reins of a top four program in the palm of his hands. He's going up against a Houston team who we know historically participates in high scoring games. It, their defense is not going to stop 
But like the only thing that's stopping Jalen Hurts and this Oklahoma offense, let me tell you, is maybe a sprinkler popping up on the field and someone tripping. <laughs> no, no one's stopping this offense. And again, like I said, I'm taking 12 and a half in the first half. I'm not playing the full game because I do think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. I don't know what's going to happen at the end. I don't know if the dogs are going to be called off. I'm taking Jalen Hurts and this Oklahoma offense to come out hot Sunday night, prime time, ABC, and cover 12 and a half, win the first half by at least two touchdowns. And lastly, let's go to our consensus play, which cashed last week. Again, first half under 23 and a half. Miami, Florida was a winner. Uh, I am going to start in this game. I got two plays, uh, and the first one is not our consensus play. It's the Northwestern-Stanford game. I'm going to look to play this game under 47 and a half because I see, first off, a couple of teams that when they're winning, for the most part, I know Stanford has in the past had some big-time players, but relative, relatively speaking, you look at a lot of Stanford scores last year when they were winning 20-13 to 13 over Arizona State. Uh, 17 to 3 over USC early in the year. Uh, most of the time, Stanford, they did have a shootout win against UCLA at the end of the year. 23 13 win against Cal, 14 13 win against Pitt in their bowl game last year. Stanford is unlike a lot of the other Big Ten, or I'm sorry, Pac 12 teams. And, and they're a little bit more of a pro style, and, and they don't necessarily look to beat you in a track meet. So that's the first thing, and that's kind of how they've been for a while. Uh, and then you got Northwestern that I think is going to look to go to Palo Alto and play a Big Ten grind it out, slow the game down type of game to give themselves a chance in the fourth quarter. Remember, they were a team that went and won the Big Ten West last year. So I, I think this game's competitive all throughout. Therefore, I do like the game under 47 and a half because remember Stanford also lost a couple players to the NFL that were big time skill players Bryce Love and JJ Arcego Whiteside so give me the game under 47 and a half which I also think is correlated to our I was still Greg I was really I'm so happy you said that because that was about to be my first question and it's gonna be something that you see uh, you know you I anyone else do all season I'm sure obviously when they're you believe that not many points are going on it just makes points that much more valuable. So in a game right. that you think goes under 47 and a half, maybe you can see where I'm going with this. Would you say six and a half is more valuable than a game you believe is going over 47 and a half? I'll right. let you answer that. And that's our consensus play. I like it under 47 and a half. The consensus being on Northwestern plus the six and a half. Pat Fitzgerald, the coach at Northwestern, the last nine games he's an underdog, seven, one and one against the spread. All the Wildcats were one of the big surprises last year in the Big Ten winning that West Division title. Obviously, the West and the East are night and day in the Big Ten. All that said, I like where the Northwestern program is going right now, and obviously that's all we can handicap off of going into the first game of the season. And then you look at the Stanford program, it does feel like they aren't, they, they've taken a bit of a step back, right? Because the rest of the Pac-12 as well has done that, and Stanford the last couple of seasons, not that they've been horrible, but we haven't been having the same discussions about them as, you know, a top 10 team or a playoff contender. And therefore, I think naturally when you're talking about a season opener, you have to look and think, well, where are these programs at? And I like where the Northwestern programs at. I don't really love where the Stanford programs at. I mentioned that bowl game against the Pittsburgh, a middling ACC team. They won 14-13, narrowly escaped. They haven't won double digits in games now. You'd have to go back to 2016. So back-to-back -back seasons of winning under 10 games. I just think that the Stanford program right now uh, needs a jolt, and I'm not sure they're getting it on Saturday night. I like Northwestern. We both do. Greg, you know, let me tell you something. They also have a participation trophy next to their name, right? That 25 next to their name is damn near a participation trophy. <laughs> I'm a big believer they should just really rank the top 10 because the, the we see ranks 20 to 25, damn near even like 18 to 25. That shit, that shit changes every week based on results. 25 next to his name to start the season is going to draw a lot of attention. But as far as I'm concerned, that's a participation trophy you get when you're five years old playing, playing soccer. On that note, let's take a break and check in with our sponsor. It's a brand new football season. Andrew Luck might not be suiting up anymore. Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell aren't suiting up for the Steelers anymore. And Odell Beckham Jr. is no longer a member of the New York Giants. But the steady constant is my bookie being the place to bet on every football game of every weekend. Our Blue Wire podcasters are using mybookie.com slash bluewire to sign up this year. My bookie offers better bonuses and more prop bets 
than any other sports book. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least 100 grand, and it only costs $100 to enter. It's easy enough to play. You just got to pick five NFL games against the spread every week and check in every week to see where you are in the standings. My bookie also offers plenty of live in-game betting options for every NFL game. They have the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for all the fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score. Head to MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet. Win. Get paid. And we are back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast, wrapping things up here on this Friday episode to get your Labor Day weekend starting. A whole bunch of college football there in the first 45 minutes. And now we're going to finish things up with a little more fantasy football and a quick MLB to highlight uh, highlight a couple of big series going on this weekend as we hit home stretch in Major League Baseball's regular season. Matt, let's start with fantasy football. Ironically enough, we both had drafts this week. Uh, I had the fifth pick in a draft that was held Wednesday night. I went with Le'Veon Bell. You were picking fifth as well and went with DeAndre Hopkins. So let's start right there. Do so you have 10 let's, teams or 12? I was a 12-team league. I'm okay, I, 10. I was 10. I was 10. So let's start right there, though. If we're going to assume, and we can talk about Ezekiel Elliott more in depth next, but if we're going to assume that the consensus top four is the four running backs, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Ezekiel Elliott, if you are holding the fifth pick in a draft, you believe Hopkins is the move. I think it's Bell. You make your case first. Man, this is really uncharacteristic of me, right? I'm typically all for the running back first round. I'm all for locking up your running backs. This year, I actually think running back's a little a little deeper than it now, has you, been. So are you zero RB this year, or you're just waiting a little bit longer? No, no. I, I'll tell you in a minute. I mean, I, I'm, I just think there's a little more depth than running back. And, you know, being a 10-team, 10-team uh, for me, I thought that, you know, based off of who I could, my running back wise, I could get in the second and third rounds, right? That it just matched up a little better for me, as opposed to Hopkins, or and and with taking Hopkins in the first round. And another thing for me, right? So I was, I, I shared this team with my buddy Alex, <clears throat> and we were deciding before we even chose Hopkins, we were deciding, are we going wide receiver? Or are we going running back? We were then okay. If we're going wide receiver, are we going Hopkins or Thomas? Right? So we both consensus agreed Hopkins, no doubt. We couldn't truthfully decide between David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell. So that right there kind of just helped our choice and go, okay, well, we can't really decide between David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell. So instead of killing ourselves all, all season, if we make the wrong pick, let's just go with the sure number one wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I think it is, I think it's not even a question that Hopkins is the sure best wide receiver in the NFL. I think he's the sure best wide receiver on the fantasy board. And I think him and Watson, you know, make the best fantasy football duo in the league. And, and I think it doesn't hurt that, you know, uh, I, do I think the Texans are, are going to be make the Super Bowl? No, but it doesn't hurt that I think the Texans are, are going to be, you know, a good, solid football team. And I just like the chemistry that Watson and Hopkins have established. And so for me, it was a little uncharacteristic to go wide receiver, but the way my draft lined up in a 10-team league, I was able to get running backs, um, Todd Gurley and Devontae Freeman with my second and third picks. And I was happy with the combo of, of a locked-in wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins and, and Gurley and Freeman as my RB1 and 2. And on that note, I'm just going to quickly explain. I hear everything you just said. And, yes, if you like the depth at running back, then so be it. I, I have expressed on previous podcasts some concerns over Todd Gurley and Devonta Freeman coming off that injury. We'll see. Uh, but as far as the fifth pick, I look at Le'Veon Bell as a league winner, a guy that could significantly outperform his draft position. And I, I know there's not much out, more outperforming to do than if you're already taking him number five. He promised us, so he better, right? I look at a guy that could be the number one overall player in fantasy football this year because, remember, on a per-game basis, that's what he's been in Pittsburgh, like significantly, like unquestioned. The guy that you wanted, if you just clone his average points per game every time, you'd have the number one player in fantasy football. Yeah, so he's a stud. I, he's a 
I, I, I look at the volume that he's going to get in New York. He is going to get fed, fed, fed to take some pressure off the young quarterback in Sam Darnold. And you know what? He's fresh. The legs are fresh. He's got a year off. I love Le'Veon Bell this year. Uh, I take him as the fifth pick over David Johnson. If I'm looking running back, which I normally do in the first round, because I think that guys like that, those real high volume backs, the only way you can get them is up high in the first round. So right, I went Greg, before, you know, honestly, before you start making me upset about picking Hopkins over Bell, <laughs> let, let, let me get to a question I got. Bell's off the board. David Johnson's off the board. The four running backs are off the board. Hopkins off the board. So you're picking like what? Seventh, right? Yeah. And you want a wide receiver. Yeah, I, you'd be Who picking is- seven. No, who, who are you taking there? If you want a wide receiver, you go in Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones. Make so who's my number two receiver? Who's your number two receiver? Uh, I would have to go with Devontae Adams. And the reason I say that is because I think, as we've talked about with the Packers, I know that uh, I think it was Tyler that was on them over their win total at nine and a half. Naturally, I don't know how great Matt LaFleur is going to be, but I do think that Aaron Rodgers is going to just relish in not having to deal with Mike McCarthy anymore. And in doing that, who's his number one target? It's Devontae Adams, and there's no question about it. They did bring in some younger receivers through the draft the last couple of years, did the Packers. But I think Adams is primed to go even bigger than he has in years past. So he would be my number two receiver. Yeah, I agree. And a lot of times when I'm judging receivers, right, I'm going to judge quarterbacks. Um, I mean, you can debate me all you want, but I'm going to say that Aaron Rodgers is better than Matt Ryan. I'm going to say that Aaron Rodgers is better than Drew Brees. And so by that fact, I'm going to very much look at Devontae Adams. One thing I will mention, though, is why I would consider Julio or Michael Thomas is a fact that, you know, I don't think a lot of people take into consideration fantasy-wise is the weather. You know, they play in domes, right, where the Packers, obviously, you know, will experience some some interesting weather out there in the Midwest I'm sure you're familiar with. Oh, yeah. You know, so— it's just a little different when you're playing in warmer weather or in domes. You know, the throwing conditions are obviously more ideal. Things like that, you know, are something that, you know, can really just make the difference between when these two players are at that level and they are 10 out of 10 five-star players, both, you know, uh, around the same skill level, around the same usage rate. That's just something that sometimes I look at. But ultimately, I'm going to go with the best quarterback because I think Aaron Rodgers has a bounce back year, and I think Devontae Adams has a lot to do with that as well. Anything else that you wanted to clean up fantasy football related before we close up with some diamond talk? Yeah, let's get back to this topic. I drafted him last night, Melvin Gordon. Are sure. you drafting him, Greg? What is his deal? It, it, the, the season starts next week. Is he playing? Is he not playing? Are you taking the risk? Like, let me hear your thoughts there. At the ADP of what? Like the fourth round? Fourth round. Fourth round. Late fourth round. Let's go. You no, know, Matt, I, I, I think I think it's still too early. Like, I, I cannot feel good about, at that point, fourth round, you're talking about him being probably your second running back, or even if you do like running backs early, then – you're, you're either way, either way, you're putting him in your lineup and relying on him. And I, I, I just don't know how this is going to end between him and the Chargers. It's probably going to be with him just sucking it up and returning at some point. But I, I have no idea when that is. I, and I, I just can't feel confident enough. Now, I don't think it's going to be the whole year because then his contract tolls. That's the difference between him and Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell last year... Uh, just refused to sign the franchise tag. So he just sat the year out and he had already accrued enough years to go to free agency. Melvin Gordon yeah. to play a certain amount of games in order for his contract not to toll. It's not like Melvin Gordon, you know, has been making a huge bag the past couple of years, you know? Right. So, you know, he is under contract with the Chargers for this last year. Now, granted, he has accrued enough seasons to go to free agency with you need the four accrued seasons. He has that. However, because he was a first-round pick, he's got that fifth-round option or the fifth-year option, which makes him subject to a lot more fines than Le'Veon Bell was last year. So I think at some point we're going to see Melvin Gordon on the field, but I just cannot pinpoint when that is. And so at that price point of a fourth-round pick that you mentioned, I still don't feel comfortable. I'm going to give a quick little take, right? I don't look at fantasy football as any different than than a, than a season long bet or a game bet, right? You know, assuming you're you're playing fantasy football for money. If you're not, good for you because you just have a hell of a lot of love for the sport. Let me tell you. But I'm in it for I'm in it for the green at the end of the season, baby. Let me tell you that. And it's a season long bet to me, right? So what better way than in my draft last night? I snagged Melvin Gordon in the fourth round. He's now my third running back, starting at flex. If he plays, if he comes back. To start the season, I now 
have a first round talent that I got in the fourth round. Well, hang on, hang got, on a second. You said you got him in the fourth round. You took Hopkins, Gurley, and where did you take Devonte Freeman in the third round? Third, third, and then I went Gordon four. Yeah. Okay. You know, I know everyone doesn't want to hear about your fantasy team and all that, but I think that the Gordon topic, for anyone who hasn't drafted, I think he's worth a flyer, right? People take fantasy and everything so seriously. At the end of the day, it's a season-long bet. So why not, if you can grab a first-round talent in the fourth round, I just, I, I like that bet. Even if, like you said, he misses games, even if he comes back, you know, in a 10, especially in a 10-team league, let me tell you, because in a 10-team league, your team can be good enough to make the playoffs, and he can be back for that stretch run in the playoffs, and him back for that stretch run in the playoffs. You know, again, that's a first-round talent. I mean, don't forget what this guy did last year. He is no joke on the football field. So on that note, let's close things out with some Major League Baseball talk this weekend. We have several important series with playoff implications, the Cleveland Indians and the Tampa Bay Rays in a very important American League wildcard series, the Oakland A's and the New York Yankees in a rematch of last year's American League wildcard game. And of course, we could see these two teams in the postseason again. Uh, in the National League, the Chicago Cubs and the Milwaukee Brewers and the Philadelphia Phillies and the New York Mets. Just a couple of series to highlight. Matt, where are you looking oh, at? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What about the Orioles and Royals series? Come on, Greg. <laughs> where are you looking at first on the diamond this weekend? I'm going right to a series I loved last week, you know, or a week and a half ago. Baseball actually hasn't been the prettiest for me this week. I'm real happy to get a dose of college yeah, football going. I'm ready to move on. Yeah, man, I'm ready to move on. But let me tell you, when the Yankees came to Oakland, I was all over the Oakland A's. I was all over the Oakland A's. I was all over the Yankees sleeping uh, at the beginning of their West Coast trip. And let me tell you, the Yankees really played ball to end their trip, right? They went into L.A. and they took two out of three from the Dodgers, one on Sunday night, um, one in a, in a gross blowout fashion, and the Sunday night in another impressive win. Then they steamroll the Mariners in three games. You know, now they have a day or day off or two, whatever. A day off as they travel home. You know, the Royals played a played a game or the A's played a game at the Royals today. Tomorrow they're meeting in the Bronx. You know, Friday night game under the lights. You got CC on the mound. I'm gonna be looking to take the Yanks this series. I think the Yanks are going to come back with some vengeance in front of their home crowd, where obviously they play their best baseball. It's the opposite right now. You got the A's coming from the West Coast, coming to the Yanks uh, hometown on the East Coast. And I just think that the Yanks are just straight up looking for some revenge. I expect them to probably take two out of three, maybe even three out of three with the A's. Again, we know both these teams can hit. You know, as the pitching staff lines up, we got Anderson and Sabathia tomorrow. Not the best, a total of 11, I see. You got my boy Homer Bailey and German uh, in game two at a Saturday day game. We saw Homer Bailey pitch really well at home against the Yankees. I don't know if Homer Bailey is going to do that same performance on the road in the Bronx in New York. I, I, I truthfully don't see that. That's probably a fade spot for me. And then, you know, Sunday to wrap it up, you got uh, Fires against Hat. Fires has been real good at home. He's been not as good on the road. You know, Hap obviously has his struggles. Again, I expect to see runs, 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 yanks, yanks, yanks. And, and it's, just a, it's just a classic clash of two playoff teams at the end of August going into September. You know, we're one month out from October baseball. And, and I'm getting excited. Absolutely. And, you know, one point on the Yankees, they responded in a big way after getting swept by Oakland. They go to Huge. L.A. and win two out of three at Chavez Ravine, and then they sweep the lowly Mariners. So they seem to have put that Oakland series behind them. And what bigger way to prove that than to beat these A's at least two out of three this weekend? Oh, so I, that, would be the, I, that would be the side that I would look at in that series as well. I'm going to go back with a similar bet to what I, made, I gave out last week as far as a baseball series when I was – on the Atlanta Braves against the New York Mets. I'm going to continue to fade the Mets and look at the Philadelphia Phillies this weekend at Citizens Bank Park. The Mets, as I kind of anticipated, have begun, like their fall down the standings has started. And I got a feeling the Mets are going to finish under 500. And we're going to see the first half Mets rear their ugly head. If we haven't started seeing it already, uh, they lose. Uh, they get swept, actually, last week at City Field. And they already lost a series at home against the Cubs. We all know about how bad the Cubs have been on the road, but the Mets still lost that series. 
and they pitched DeGrom yesterday against the Cubs, so the Phillies are missing DeGrom. The Mets, not as fortunate. They are going to see Aaron Nola on Saturday in this series, and the Phillies, for whatever reason, seem to have a lot of struggles against the Marlins. I can't quite tell why, why that happens. But And it happened last weekend when they lost two out of three. But they came back and won two out of three against Pittsburgh. Before that Marlins series, they won a series in Boston against the Red Sox. I think they're starting to get going a little bit. Friday night, you have Aaron Nola on the mound. Actually, I think I said Saturday. He's actually pitching on Friday against Zach Wheeler. Uh, and I look at this whole series as a good Philly spot. Bryce Harper's back from paternity leave. Philly's offense has gotten going. JT Real Muto started to hit. They dropped the 12 spot on Pittsburgh on Wednesday. Uh, I like the Phillies to win at least two out of three against the Mets. That's also Sunday Night Baseball on Sunday. Now, Greg, let's wrap this up with, you know, I think we can both say that baseball is going to take a backseat to football for the month of September for us and, you know, maybe about 75% of the country. So, you know, we're going to be touching on baseball, obviously, throughout September, but one month to go to October baseball before we get in the full swing of NFL. Give me your playoff teams in the AL. Give me your playoff teams in the NL. One month out, who do you got? No, no real surprises here. I'm going to mostly go with the chalk in the American League. Give me the Yankees, Twins, Astros, Athletics, and I'll go with the Rays to get that last spot. That Jose Ramirez injury for Cleveland, I think, really hurts the lineup. Still don't really know about Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco when they're coming back. I'm going to assume you're going Rays and Athletic wild card. I'm going to hopefully assume that. Right, that's what I said. Rays and A's in the wild card game. So, again, my five teams, New York, Minnesota, Houston, Oakland, Tampa in the American League. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to touch on American League before we jump to National League. I'm going to go with the chalk right there, although I do think the Indians snagged that second wild card spot. Um, I Truthfully, I wouldn't be surprised if the Indians climbed over the Twins, but at this point in the season, I mean, the Twins have just been on top for, for, for the whole season. I see they're going to edge it out, and again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Twins lose in the first round of playoffs, but I see the Twins Yankees, Astros, division winners, Athletics, Indians, wild card winners. Um, dude, I'm just, uh, I'm not a buyer of the Rays. It's a, it, the Red Sox. Again, don't let those Red Sox get in. They've been, they've been up and down this year, but I, I don't let those Red Sox get in. So, I, they could be dangerous if they get in, but ultimately, I think it's the Indians, Athletics who uh, take those two wild card spots. Now, what you got in the NL? Yeah, this is a lot little actually I think significantly harder because you only you, brutal. You got two teams that you obviously you can put in and that's the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves. After that, I you have to feel pretty good about the Nats as the first wild card, right? Like they have but. been separating themselves from the pack a little. They're three games clear of Chicago who currently holds the second wild card. Uh, and, and, and that pitching for the Nats, I think, keeps their floor so high. Uh, they got Scherzer back. I will stick with the Nats as the first wild card, but where I'm really pulling my hair out is this NL Central in the second wild card. The Brewers are fading, so I, I, I cannot look at them as a playoff team. So I guess we're talking about the Cardinals, Cubs, and Phillies for two spots. And I guess I have to go with the pedigree and the experience and stick with the Cardinals and the Cubs. The Cardinals is the division champ and the Cubs to cling to that second wild card. But gosh, I really don't feel great about this. So, but anyway, if you're making me do it, Atlanta, Chicago, St. Louis, uh, LA and Washington are my teams, Washington and Chicago in the wild card game, division winners, Atlanta, St. Louis Dodgers. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm penciling the Dodgers to win, uh, their division. I'm penciling the Braves to win their division. Um, like, like you said, I think that Nationals pitching staff and I think their bats coming together at the right time. I'm just going to close it out with here. That's a very important thing in baseball, putting it all together at the right time. I think the Nationals are doing that. So I think they snagged the second wild card spot. I don't think that they'll gain the six you or the five or I mean, the top wild card spot. Yeah. I don't think they'll gain the five or six games over the Braves. Um, but truthfully, I don't know how many games they play against the Braves this season, so I actually wouldn't count that out. But I'm going to lock in those three. And uh, like you said, I, I can't even give you who's going to win the division between the Cardinals and the Cubs. But I know who doesn't ever win that, who does not win that division, will beat out this Phillies team for the wild card spot. As much as it hurts me to say, the Phillies pitching just isn't there. Their lineup just isn't comparable to the Cards or the Cubs. Hey, the pitching staff isn't. Hey. 
seven head-to-head matchups between the Braves and Nationals in September. Yeah, I mean, so there you go. Like I just said, you know, the, the Nationals are about five or six games out. There's no reason the Nationals can't win that division, in my mind. Uh, but like I said, you can pencil those two teams, and you can pencil the Dodgers in, and then it's just going to be a neck-and-neck race for the Cardinals and Cubs. Obviously, I, I'm sure they play at least one more series, if not two. So that's three, six, seven games, whatever they're playing the rest of the season. Um you know, the Cubs are only about two or three games behind the cards. Anything could really happen there. But I'm going to have the Cardinals, Cubs, Braves, Nationals, Dodgers as my, uh, as my five. So there you have it. Matt, always a lot of fun. We'll do it again on uh, Monday into Tuesday to kind of close the Labor Day weekend. Yeah, yo, just a quick note uh, to everyone out there. We're going to be putting out the next pod. We're just going to push it back one day. You know, with Labor Day falling on Monday, we're going to put it out Tuesday morning. So, you know, everyone make sure your first day back at work. Uh, we're going to make it nice and fun with a little podcast. on. And let's quickly get out and give our college football picks, run through them one more time. I will start. I am on Duke plus 32 and a half against Alabama, Florida state minus six and a half against Boise state, Florida Atlantic, Ohio state over 64 and a half Northwestern Stanford under 47 and a half. And Ohio, I'm sorry, Northwestern plus the six and a half is a consensus play with Matt against Stanford. Uh, yeah, and I have Ole Miss plus five for the full game. I have Auburn minus three and a half for the full game. I have Ohio State minus 17 for the first half. And I have Oklahoma minus 12 and a half for the first half. Obviously, stay active on the Twitter because we're going to be giving out some more picks. You know, we got games on Sunday. We got the Monday night game Notre Dame plays. I believe someone else plays Monday night. You know, just just stay in touch and everyone have everyone have a safe, fun Labor Day weekend. I, I, I'm excited to see college football back in action this weekend, and I'm sure everyone else is. There you have it, Matt. A lot of fun. We will talk to you later on the Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the Pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24 7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.